What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it. But thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast. Alrighty. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Stephen Drake. Thank you, sir. Thanks we, for having me. We haven't had, uh, finally got you on. I don't think we've had you on yet. Yeah, you've been asking me for like two years, I think, so... <laughs> Finally wrote me in. Uh, so. Finally roped you in. And uh, today we're going to talk about some e-scouting, some shed hunting stuff. Or not e-scouting, uh, camera, using cameras for scouting and shed hunting. A lot of this early season stuff that you do very, very, very well. Um, so I guess let's give us 30,000 foot view. Who are you? What are you about? Sure. Yeah, my name is Steve Drake. I am a hunting photographer, videographer, shoot a bunch of content for various brands. Um, been doing that for gosh, 10 years. I've been a freelance photographer, videographer for the last four years. Um, and yeah, I just love to hunt and be outside. And um, This guy puts more days in the field per year than I think anyone I know. I mean, how many <laughs> days in the field are you? Like between work and, and pleasure? Probably 200. That's insane. So, and like, yeah. And I mean, all the other days are spent in the editing page, just yeah. jamming <laughs> on the computer, trying to push photos and videos out so do you ever feel like you spend so many days working in the field and on hunts and all that that when you get home it's hard to like get yourself out because i'm impressed at how much you get out on your own yeah i mean yeah last year shoot i put in 25 days shed hunting wow. and like i mean I, I took some photos but that was mostly just personal time and like for, for me shed hunting is kind of my my personal time yeah. more or less yeah, there's always some content you're creating out of it. but uh. So within shed hunting, um, we were kind of joking a little bit before the podcast, like how shed hunting 15 years ago was, I mean, very few people. There was a few hardcore guys that did yeah. it, but like not what it is today. Would yeah. you agree with that? Well, I didn't do it 15 years ago. I started <laughs> so you were part about, of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I started like, I mean, really started doing it probably like seven or eight years ago, but I first started probably like 10 or 12 years ago. And back then, very few people were doing it. I mean, you, you could go to areas and way later in the season. And I mean, gosh, my, my very first time ever like shed hunting where I was like intentionally shed hunting, like my dad and I found like 17 elk sheds in a day. Oh, holy cow. And I was like, oh my gosh, gold mine. And we sold them all. Yeah. And then I just was like expecting that was going to be a thing every single year. And like since then, it was you know, now it's like in, the, in that spot, you find one or two per year and there's just people everywhere. It's, yeah. it's just nuts. So, yeah, it's crazy how competitive it's competitive gotten. It's, uh, so I used to be of the mindset, never sell sheds. Like yeah. I had a pile of them forever. And when we moved here, I actually like there was boxes of sheds and my wife is like, because there was stuff I wouldn't let her take. <laughs> and she's like, wait, those are not going. If my you know, sewing machine or whatever can't go this trip, your sheds are definitely not going. So there was a pile of sheds that were in Oregon. And uh, so I finally sold some this year. And I just like sold a pile of you know, elk sheds, deer sheds. But it was like, now it's like, it's funny how many sheds I've walked by in my life that I'm like, I'm not picking that up. And then <laughs> like now I'm like, oh, dang, I just left dollars down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's surprising how much money you can get out of those things. Yeah, totally. I mean... <clears throat> They, they are worth, well, I don't know, 
I don't know, I think last year I was getting $15.50 per pound for Browns. But I put 20, I was like, okay, so I put 25 days in and I'm. Does it ROI? Not really. <laughs> okay, so I made six grand in sheds last year, which okay. sounds like a lot. But if you were to break that out. 25 days? Over 25 days and like all the expenses inquired. And like that's over like three different states and like. Yeah, mm. it's it's more of a break even slash just fun thing to do. But in my case, like, I just love being outside. And there's For nowhere sure. else I'd rather be. And like, yeah. a lot of what you learn f- through sheds hunting can like very much you know correlate to your no, fall hunting season. So, so a lot of people don't understand. That's that. one of the things I wanted to get uh, get you on for is because I want to ask like, okay, you, you seemingly punch your elk tag every year pretty consistently. It seems like it's easy. You know, those are always like, hey, it looks easy on the internet. Um, but you're also working, you know, doing a ton of hunts. And so it seems like you just come in, shoot an elk. Like how much of that plays from your shed hunting and from, you know, running cameras and all that year round? Totally. So my, my view on hunting is it's not just a fall activity. It's like it's a year round thing. Like yeah. as soon as like, I guess for us in Montana, as soon as November 30th or the last day of rifle season ends, like the next day, literally like I'm out, I'm out scouting. I'm trying yeah. to find these bulls that maybe will come out because now they know it's not hunting season anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're scouting all winter long. Like I'm running trail cameras all winter, just trying to, trying to figure out like what types of animals are in area, what quality of animals, um, if deer elk even exist in certain spots. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, that information just it's absolute gold mine. I, I literally learn more in winter scouting and um, spring shed season probably than I do the rest of the year. Yeah, I think like two weeks after season, a week after season, <laughs> if you if there's like a rifle hunt you want to go do, you should be there the entire week after that yeah. season the year before because you learn so much. Totally. And I, I really got that when I moved to Montana. There's a lot of things you take for granted. Growing up in a place, you're like, you know inherently where elk are, uh, what areas are good, what areas hold big bulls. I come to Montana and I'm like, duh. There's a million mountain ranges. They all have elk, and I don't even know where to start. Like, what's good? What's not good? You know, like, which mountain ranges have good genetics? Which ones don't? And all these things. And, like, I can totally see how, first off, there's just so much to do. I feel like there's so many areas to scout that it takes a full year. Uh, The second part of that is, like, fresh snow really helps find elk. And, like, if I get a fresh snow, uh, this year I went and scouted an area that I'm going to hunt in a different state – on a fresh snow, like the week after the season. Cause yeah. I was like, I just want to know like where things are now that pressure's off and there's fresh snow. I can just look for tracks, see it. I mean, like see it off on the road, you yeah. know? And I don't think anybody, like, very few people are doing that. Yeah. And it's like, you want to find areas to hunt, like go check them out. Yeah. I and mean, most people are burnt out like <laughs> totally. the middle of season anyway. So then to think of going and scouting like after season, that's kind of a dude. That's how I do, was but. on that. When I went and scouted the other day, it was like, I was like, I really don't feel like going. It was like, now is the perfect time. Yeah. Like, this is as good as any. Uh, it was a late season hunt. So I'm like, I need to go check it out, see if it's worth doing. Uh, and yeah, you learn a lot that way. Totally. For sure. In my case, it was where not to go, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you usually learn when you're scouting. Like, yeah. no, there's no elk here. There's no elk here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, check this one off the map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're running cameras all winter long. Pretty much, yeah. Dude. Okay. So. <clears throat> When you think about where to put those cameras, are you like travel corridors? I mean, obviously it's winter ground, like things like that. What are you looking for? Are you just trying to get pictures of elk? Um, so it's, it kind of started off just as a way to get photos of elk. 
just because again I work as a photographer primarily yeah. and it's just rad to get images and videos sure. and clips and stuff of elk and then and, and to be able to kind of share that to like social media land and yeah. um so like that's that video how it you posted the me. other day with like the whole herd of elk yeah there was like 23 oh. I think bull elk in one clip it was nuts that's cool I was quite surprised to see yeah. that <laughs> but actually so that camera I had it I had it up all I mean really the last year and it's just, it's interesting to see what those animals do throughout the year um in the summer they're obviously they're all bachelored out they're not in that area at all they're like 10 miles away actually and then come fall like you'll start seeing a few of them and then and then winter they all bachelor up and then like they're just wintering right in that one zone huh um but as far as like where i'm putting cameras for winter i mean it's it's definitely more travel corridors it's open ridges it's areas where the wind might blow off a ridge and create a feeding area yeah um for these elk like like obviously you're not in the winter you're not going to have a camera on a on a water hole so um, it's like in the summer you know that's kind of primarily what i'm doing is water holes there's a couple travel corridors that have yielded lots of photos but for the most part it's water holes in the summer what do you think most people do wrong when it comes to trail cameras and i guess Maybe I'll start with my version of this is like, I see a lot of people do water holes, but then try to hunt them when the season opens September 7th. And they're like, well, there's no elk here now. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, you know, if you're putting cameras on wallows, you might see pictures of elk yeah. in August, but if season doesn't open till the 5th or 7th, you may not see anything there. And you're like, what okay. the heck? So like, what is, what are other things that maybe people do wrong along those same lines? Um, we well, yeah, to kind of repeat what you said i mean yeah if you're planning to hunt a water hole i, I don't know i've never actually hunted a water hole um like in archery season but but for sure elk are very habitual up until like i mean literally it's like september 6th yeah it's like after that they get they get hit with that rut bug and they all just like disappear and yeah. they, they get on a new program but, so it's like okay if you can hunt them you know in whatever state you're in starting august 15th like they're going to be probably pretty habitual and that's where like running cameras on water and like then, a nevada tag or something yeah like and then like being able to like hunt over that water and like i think that's going to be could be potentially fairly effective um i guess other things um this is kind of negative but uh i've had a number of trail cameras stolen yeah stop stealing trail cameras if, yeah if you're that dickhead don't, don't do that kick you in the dick like oh that's fucked up yeah it's so like it, nowadays i, I mean I, I locked it heck out of all mine they're, they're, every single that's one of them's in a lockbox even like i mean I, my, my friend and i we had a couple cameras like way out in this area it was like six miles to get in there and i had one stolen and he had one stolen and they were like way the heck in the boonies and i was like i don't even know who the heck's even been back here if business idea if if there was a chip that could track your trail camera Ooh. would you would you buy it 15 bucks it, it, well yeah <laughs> I mean, like, it's insurance, right? That would be totally insurance. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be out there. Because I think those things, like, track with your keys. I don't know how far they go, though. Yeah. Anyway, this is my entrepreneur brain. Like, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, man. Just start tra- tracking down all the perpetrators that are stealing cameras. Yeah. I mean, I would, just put cam- I would just put cheap cameras out there that didn't even have lockboxes on them just, just, to so try could, to, yeah. just to try to catch people. We can start an entire YouTube channel where totally. we just put cheap <laughs> cameras out and then track people down, knock on their door. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Great idea. Sorry, tangent. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to, like, throughout the year, uh, we say we start putting cameras up now. Like, how do you think about where to put those? Um, you know, I don't even – historically – I've only focused on water holes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll go put cameras out 
when the snow leaves or when I can get there, you know, May, June, somewhere in there, go put cameras out and I'm checking what bulls in the area. Now I don't hunt these cameras, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Like I don't hunt the water holes or whatnot. It's always just a reference point. Like, Oh, Hey, let's see what kind of bulls are in the area. Yeah. Uh, so I strategically like place mine. Let's just use a mountain, like mountain, I don't know, black, black mountain. And I'm going to put them like kind of around just to see what's in the area. And I, fully understand that like sometimes there's elk that show up that didn't live there before right. um how do you how do you go about it like what's the next level of that where you're like okay i'm putting them out all winter now i'm like moving them though from winter location to spring location to are you trying to follow elk up the mountain like i don't know how i just curious how you think about camera placement totally so obviously what we talked about a little bit ago was like in the middle of winter you're not going to have a camera on a water hole so yeah. like come fall or, you know, at the end of, at the end of summer, I usually, I usually pull that camera and move it to a new spot. And like that new spot is, is usually like, I try to focus on a winter range area. So an area that's got whatever food and cover, but it's probably going to be windblown. It's probably going to be South facing potentially, um, or a travel corridor. So I try to get it up, up on a ridge primarily. That's kind of a, that's kind of a good safe. Like on the ridge or like just off the ridge? Because well, a lot of times, yeah, like off the ridge, yeah. Because a lot of times, elk are like traveling. I mean, you pick a trail, and like that's the way you do it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of like if I just go into an area completely blind, you just kind of got to go hike around and just kind of yeah. figure it out. So it's like if I'm hiking around and I find an area, it's like, oh man, like this is obviously an elk travel yeah. corridor. Like I'll totally put one there. But if I'm like, well, geez, this place is probably going to get ten feet of snow. Like there's no way in heck a bull is probably going to be in this timbered patch like yeah. let's move it up up more oh, okay, to okay. a windblown ridge like that makes sense i guess yeah i don't really overthink it other than you know wh- where isn't an elk gonna be yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? so well i think i do overthink it because a lot of times i'll pack a camera and i'm like ah it's not like let's look <laughs> maybe in another spot and then i like end up back of the truck with my camera's still right. in my bag like, Dang. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so yeah just i mean travel corridors kind of in this time or coming into spring and yeah. then and then you transition into like water holes and whatnot some yeah. June-ish? Yeah, June-ish, definitely back to water holes. And then just like like even just like random meadows that like I know these elk are probably going to be feeding in. So so hypothetically, if you found a bull, like just a mega bull that was on your camera like right now, like yeah. sometime in March, how would you go about working backwards to figure that out? Like, I've never seen this bull before. This is a giant – I mean it's tough to know whether it goes 10 miles or whether it goes a yeah. mile or like – is there a good way to figure that out? More cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so a couple of years ago I shot an elk. Um, he's like a, what is he? He's like a six by eight and he's a super cool bull. And um, I'm literally a month after I shot him, I'm going back and looking at old trail camera footage and I realized that I've got a bunch of trail camera footage of, of this exact bull like in the middle of summer and he was like yeah. eight miles away from where I shot him. Oh, wow. I was, and I, I didn't even put two and two together. It's like, I obviously I'd watched that clip much times cause he's a rad bull. And I was just like, holy smoke. So like that little bit you of information. You weren't even thinking like, oh, that could be the same bull. It's no, like a totally like, different area. Totally. I was like, oh, this is probably just some little resident bull that just lives down in this yeah. zone. I, I don't know. Just hadn't put two and two together yet. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a really interesting piece of the pie or piece of the puzzle because it was like, yeah, a lot of these elk are moving a long ways to rut. Actually, that happened to us one time. I had a camera out in the summertime. Uh, one of my hunting partners check, checked it and texted me this picture, and it was I don't know, August 1st. Um, and it's just 
giant six, uh, good six, not giant. I, we thought it was much bigger on camera. And uh, fast forward, my ex had a rifle tag that year, and we shoot a bull quite a ways away, a long ways away. Don't think much of it. And we had actually got a bunch of these like coasters for the man cave that were all game cam pictures. And w- one of my buddies was looking at it and the bull's on the wall and puts two and two together that it's no the way. same bull. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together because I didn't think about like, oh, that's a, the bull in a different area. Um, and it was the same bull that we had mounted on the wall above it. Like, oh, it's this bull. I'm like, no, no, it's a game camp picture we had, you know, from the summer before. I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, it is that bull. That's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you just don't think about it when they're that far away, you know, That's over awesome. five miles. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and I think that there's a lot of guys struggling to consistently get into elk. And a lot of that stems from not scouting enough first off, but when they are scouting, they're like finding elk, but then they go back, you know, and like where elk are in September is not where they are in July. Yeah. It's, that's huge. And it's hard to know, right? So you have to spend so many Septembers finding elk right. to be like, okay, this is where elk are or elk aren't. And I think if guys, and I always tell people, like say you have a rifle tag, figure out where the wintering ground is and figure out where the summer ground is and somewhere in the middle yeah. between there, yeah, you know, that's where they should be. And the farther you get towards like high country or remote, it's probably where the big bulls are going to be. Like yeah. it's, I mean, it's not rocket science. Like you just yeah. work backwards from where wintering ground is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have any tips for guys on finding elk in September? Um, well, back to what you were just saying about they're, they're not a, we're, they're not in the same place in September as they're in July. So, like, a lot of times um, in my summer scouting, if, if I'm trying to find, like, new areas to hunt, I'm looking for cows. Like, I'm not yeah, – like, totally. you'll find the bulls. Oftentimes, they'll be way up in some crazy weird spot, but there'll be a bachelor group of them. But as yeah. soon as, like – Again, for me, I, I literally think it's September 6th, at least in Montana. That's the date that they just boogie. <laughs> and usually, like, the Montana archery opener is, like, it's either September 3rd or 7th, depending on the year. Yeah. And if it's the 3rd, then you could probably hunt those bachelor groups of bulls. But if it's the 7th, like, don't even go looking for them because they've all left and they're, they're going to find, like, they're going to where the cows are. So, yeah. like, in this, yeah, the summer, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm looking for both. It's really fun to find bulls. But if you're really trying to find, like, ooh, this is, like, a spot that I want to hunt. What's your favorite time frame to hunt? Um, probably, like, October 1st because the rut's still going on. Things are kind of petering off a little bit, but, like, everybody's vacated the woods. They all think, <laughs> they all think the rut's done. Yeah. And there's still bulls going out. They might not be going out as hard as they were, but there's just – there's less competition out there. I always thought it was funny when I first moved here, I, I, before I even moved here, when I first started hunting in Montana, it was 2011. And uh, I think I'd hunted in New Mexico first. I forget what it was. Maybe I hunted, I hunted somewhere first. And I came back to Montana and it was, I don't know, seventh, eighth, somewhere in there. And all the locals hadn't even started hunting yet. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, yeah. it's prime time. And they're like, oh, no, we don't even hunt until like mid-month, late in the month, whatever. And I'm like, that's that's ridiculous like i was not hunt the whole month but i think there's a lot of people that start early and yeah. just blow their load they just go hard totally, totally. <laughs> like the, it's kind of like we were talking about shit hunting like everyone blows their load and then they give up but like it's like the same thing like you're hunting september like you just go hard go hard go hard and you're like ah, i quit yeah and this especially when the snow starts hitting guys oh know. yeah gone yeah <laughs> I, every year's different though i mean like this year i had some of my better uh, elk opportunities were were early it, like the first weekend. I mean, I was having all sorts your, of crazy right You your early this year, didn't you? Um, when was it? It was like the 20th. It was kind of mid, mid-month. Uh, but 
Yeah, you uh, you had a pretty good year. You didn't you call in a few bowls and let them walk? Yeah, yeah. There's there's one video I posted on my <laughs> okay. Instagram that I. Um, my general theory on at least this is what's worked for me is like you can't call in a really big bowl. You can't call in the herd bowl, and so my tactic is like I don't call. Like I just run around the woods and try to cut off bulls. What's your average day look like? Just out of curiosity. Um. Usually get in like like an hour before you can even see, and I'm trying to figure out. Like I'm just like I'm literally like running through the woods trying to find a bull that's bugling. Are you bugling to them or just no, like just quiet. being dead silent, not making really? a not making a peep? Okay. And then I, I let them do all the talking, and like obviously some days bulls don't talk, and if they don't talk, then my tactic sucks. <laughs> uh, but I usually just let them do the talking, and then you know half hour into first light, like they start to move, and they're moving from probably their their feeding area to like a bedding zone. And often they'll, you know, if it's a herd bull, he's got a bunch of cows. And so literally what I'll do is I'll just, uh, I'll just dog the, the herd bull and his cows. And like, obviously they're, they're probably moving with the wind in their face and I'll just get right behind them. And then I'll like uh, parallel them basically. Yeah. And then as soon as they get to their, their bedding area, I'll just kind of like sit off to the side. And then at some point the wind's going to switch. And then when the wind switches, I try to sneak in close. How far away are you? Like when you sit off to the side, you like try I mean, to stay. You try to get as close as you possibly can. But when, oh, really? when you're parallel, when you're paralleling them, it's like maybe a hundred yards. But it's it's a really. Are you ever trying to get a shot as they're nah, moving to their bed? Sometimes, I mean, sometimes the bull's gonna like. Yeah, if he's doing that crazy thing where he's like moving cows or checking cows. Yeah. Or, but but once they once they get to kind of where they're gonna bed or once they start to slow down, that's when I really try to sneak in and get close. And like, I mean, last year there was a handful of times like I I was four hour like, sorry I was. 30 yards from the nearest cow for probably four hours. And I was just standing there with an arrow knocked, just waiting because I was like, that bull is going to come check his cows at some point. Yeah. And like, I just don't, I mean. But the I, wind. Well, yeah, but the wind's swirly usually. Yeah. But often if you, I don't know. Hey guys, real quick interruption to tell you a little secret that I picked up. And if you want to be a good elk hunter, there's one thing that I've noticed that every great hunter I've ever interviewed does that almost every new elk hunter does not do. And it's having a system. And in my own quest to become a better hunter, I set out to learn from all of the best hunters out there. And the one thing they all have is a system that took them years to develop. If you want the blueprint that I've developed after hundreds of interviews, go check out the new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for being a more successful hunter. This is the fast track that took most of these guys 10 plus years to develop, and even myself. So go check it out, Elk Hunt 201. The link's in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy it. So far, people have loved it from new hunters to vets. I've had so many messages and seems to be uh, a big hit. So I hope you guys enjoy it. hope it adds value to your elk hunting career. I guess for me, it's like nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. But then that one out of 10 times, like you might get an opportunity. At the have you just had really poor success with calling yeah um well no I, i've had really good success at calling but i i've called in a lot of younger bulls. bulls yeah yeah and like the, the the bull that i posted on my instagram um there was one just bugling his brains out and he just he didn't sound very big and i was like well i don't know maybe maybe something so i like yeah. i calc all that him and like instantly he just comes like running up this hill and like yeah. i didn't know if he was big or not i assumed he was small and so i had an arrow knocked and then he i saw him at like 40 yards i'm like oh it's like a 
I go back and forth on this because, I mean, you're 100% right. For the most part, if you want to kill giants, like, don't say a peep because yeah. you're not going to call them in. Yeah. Or what generally happens to me is I call in a satellite or I call in a bull that's close and then he runs through the herd or, like, he spooks to some degree of getting the the whole herd, the cows, like, kind of on edge. Yeah. And then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Uh, there, I do think any bull can be called in. I do think it has to be the right day, the right situation, and sometimes that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, like, it goes both ways. But, like, your style is very much like a Jay Scott style of, like, you know, maybe a couple of sweet cow calls as I'm paralleling. But for the most part, I'm if I can get a shot without, yeah. like, I'm trying to follow them to bed. Hopefully I get a shot in the middle there, but then it's like just wait till bed. Yeah. And the wind shifts. And, yeah, just be there. That, man – I don't know. I go back and forth because I do. I do think in Montana it's very different. Like if you're in open country, those elk do not do well with calling. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think if you're in super thick stuff, you can get away with it more. But if you're in open country, like they just don't put up with it as much. Yeah. And it has to be the perfect day. And I think even the cows are more spooky here. Yeah. Totally. I think I think that's the first thing is like like cows will bust you before anything in Montana. And I don't know why that is. Like they're very sensitive cows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing or not, but uh, also it's like high country versus low country. I do think that some of the high country elk respond better. I don't know if it's because it's less pressure. Mm. In my experience, like I can still call bulls that are pretty high. Like even if there's cows, say bull has cows up high, he seems if he's up high and he's in timber, he seems to act like an Idaho elk to me. But as soon as you get these elk that are like in the roll eels, like the cows are on edge. And I don't know if that's a pressure thing or if it's a, I don't know just a personality thing or what, but mm. that's definitely, I mean, what you're talking about is definitely what I've seen too. But. The other thing with my style is I, I primarily hunt by myself. Like I, I rarely had a caller. I, I've hunted with my dad a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's usually just kind of right on my tail and like we'll set up calling sequences occasionally, but, but actually every elk I've ever killed, I've been by myself. Yeah. And so I'm like, part of that is like, well, I've tried the, the, the calling and then yeah. move. Yeah. It's, it's just, hard. it's just hard and it's yeah. kind of, I don't know. If you were like other ways, so. if you were not looking for big bulls, if you were like, hey, I just man, I just got, we have a ton of people that want to li- that listen to the podcast to say, man, you guys talk about killing three fifty bulls. I'm just trying to kill a six yeah, point. Totally. If you were just trying to kill a six point, would you still use the tactic that you use, or would you like, hey, I'm just gonna get close and do some call, and a six point's gonna come? I would probably do calling. Like I, I've had a, I've, I've had a lot of success getting close to satellite bulls in the method that I mm-hmm. refer to. But again, you're relying on that herd to make noise, and often they're yeah. not. Yeah. And if they're not, then you're shit out of luck. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if you're an aggressive caller, you can call in a lot of freaking elk for <laughs> sure. Man. Yeah, I in think my experience, I like, think it's a great way to get yeah, you know, an average six point, yeah, you know, that five year old, six year old bull. I think they're gonna come in pretty totally. pretty consistently. Yeah. Uh, you no, know, it's interesting because we do talk a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of guys that hunt solo, and yeah. you're like, oh, well, it's tough to do the whole calling thing. I know I hunt solo 99% of the time, and that's the hardest part is the final step. You can call a bull in, getting a shot. It's like either a frontal or like you got to wait, and then they're kind of on edge, and you you almost never get a range yeah. and a shot. That's yeah. tough. <laughs> um, you know, you're always guessing a range. And so like, there's a lot of complications. I do see how, as a solo hunter, like just dog and herd could be more effective in that capacity. Yeah. Um, I, I don't feel like we covered everything I want to talk about with uh, preseason scouting. I don't know. Is there anything else you can add to like how like, how do you f- how find out? Because a lot of it is like the, your tactic, and this kind of all 
comes together with like the cameras and the shed hunting. Mm-hmm. Like you know what these elk are going to do. Yeah. You kind of know where they're going to be and where they're going to go. Is that from scouting or is that from just being there in multiple Septembers? You know, like, like how, finding elk without bugling can be tough. Yeah. If you're like a hunter and you're like, I don't know where they are. Like I'm going to bugle, bugle, bugle and try to find elk. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know where they are, you can't find it but you're also not going to know where they're feeding and where they're going to bed. Like how much of that comes from the scouting that you do? Well, or is it just knowing the cows? Like if you, like, would you say you go and find cows? Like, okay, this is their route. And did they do the same thing when the bulls show up or? I mean, honestly, a lot of it is just, just knowing you kind of got to hunt the same spot for a couple of years in a row to start seeing certain patterns. Yeah. Um, and like, that, that's the one piece of advice I give to a lot of people and that it's like, they hunt like 10 different freaking spots. And I'm just like, no, no, no. Like you could hunt, you should hunt the same exact spot because, you know, one weekend it might be off or the elk just might, they might all be there. They're just not talking. And you're just like, oh, there's no elk here. It's uh-huh. like you go back two days later and the whole place is an absolute, you know, rut fest. It's like hunt the same, like don't, don't venture out too much. Really? Yeah. Like I, I'm a firm believer. There's like, there's probably a 380 bowl in every stinking mountain range. Yeah. And like. Oh, that's funny. Like uh, slightly opposite. So I tell people a lot that um, you're hunting too small of an area, mm-hmm. but also too big an area. Like don't like I am not afraid to be on this side of the mountain or that side of the mountain, but I'm also looking for the tiny little cubbies. Yeah. So people are, I think people are looking for like the center of the mountain is the farthest from any right. point, right? Well, there's 12 other dudes thinking the same thing. Yeah. So I'm like hitting little spots around the mountain yeah. and I'll be like over here and I'm like, okay, nothing's going on. I'm going to bomb to this side. But I also use calling a lot more. I do think you're 100% right where if I get into some elk on the, let's say the southeast corner of the mountain and things aren't talk or like they're kind of talking but they're not like they're just shut up all day i'm like okay cool i'm gonna go around the other side i'm gonna yeah. keep looking i'll i'll come back to those elk and hopefully they're there hopefully they don't get bumped but i'm not gonna spend three or four days hunting elk that don't want to play yeah so i'll bounce around the mountain yeah. i'm always looking for those like little cubbies yeah in the mountain that are no, kind of like, good yeah i don't know if that's the same as you or not no i agree completely and i guess maybe to add to the point that i was saying there's like a lot of people they'll they'll hunt one spot in one mountain range once. Mm, yeah. They're like, there's no elk here. Then they just oh, they, they yeah, completely yeah. leave. And they don't even, they don't, either they don't come back or they come back like a month later. And it's just like, ah, no, no, keep poking around. Like, is there, is there something that would keep you to, like, say you don't see any elk. You're like, new spot, don't see any elk, but you're seeing lots of sign and stuff, old mm-hmm. sign. Right, are you going to like, okay, that gives me confidence that I should probably keep coming back because at some point they're going to be here. Yeah. Um, or is it like, hey, you just go until you find out. No, okay, so I guess another factor that would play into that is, like, are these migratory elk? Like, is this old poop that you're finding? Or are the, is this a winter range where these elk are yeah. possibly moving a long ways from here to this location? And, like, you know, I, so I guess the next question is, like, well, how do you determine if they're migratory elk or not? And, like, you know, some areas it's like, well, okay, um, some big national parks, for example, a lot of those elk migrate out of those parks. I mean, some of them will move a hundred miles. Yeah, that's so. Nuts. It's like if you're hunting a fringe zone around a place like that, then you're like, okay, well, these likely are migratory elk. So just finding old poop doesn't really mean much. But it doesn't really mean much as far as like a, a hunting aspect, like right now. Yeah. You know? It's like, well, they might winter here, but that might be the only thing they do. So, do you think there's like anything within? Montana, you could say like, okay, well, elk you generally move ten miles. They generally move one mile. Like it does seem like elk here move farther than other states that I've hunted. Yeah. Uh, like Idaho, I don't, I don't, 
I mean, there are elk, I'm sure, that move 20, 30 miles. Uh, I mean, like, generally speaking, there I'm sure there's elk that move 20, 30 miles in Idaho. But for the most part, I don't know. I, everywhere I've hunted, it seems like they're, like, up the mountain, down the mountain, yeah. up the mountain, down the mountain. And I'm like, man, Montana's, I think, and I don't know it super well, so I hate to speak on it, but it's like, it seems like there's elk that move a really long ways, like, across an entire mountain range, and then there's elk that don't move at all. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, it's hard to wrap your head around like okay well yes elk move a long ways but they also don't move a long ways i don't so, know yeah some do some <laughs> don't i mean it, it's literally every single mountain range is different like and i've, I've especially learned this from shed hunting because it's like often it's like oh yeah like the bulls are going to be at like ten thousand feet way the heck up and then like you go to the next mountain range over and it's like oh they're like below the cows and it's like yeah, that's weird they are where you find them i, I mean i hate to say that but it's like <laughs> they're just they're all different and you kind of yeah. have to it's hard like, I, I really think you got to spend time, like, you, you can go into an area with a fairly good educated guess on what the elk maybe are going to do, but until you actually spend a lot of time there, you're not going to really know. What's your average scouting? Like, just hypothetically, you pick a mountain range, you're like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna scout this. Like, how many days are you scouting? Like, what is it? I hate to say how many days are you scouting, because I feel like you're going to scout more than the appropriate <laughs> amount, but like, what is the appropriate amount, and how many days are you going to scout an area? Like, what what should we guys be like, okay... This is my new area. How many days should I scout it? Well, I mean, honestly, you should spend, I would say, focus less of your time actually trying to find elk. And, like, like the first thing a guy should do when you go to a new place is just figure the country out, figure the road systems out. Like, you might get there and be like, oh, I thought all these roads are open. They might all be closed, which may be a good or a bad thing. If yeah. they're all closed but you can take a bike on them or hike on them, like, sweet. Like, oh, it's cool. I'm going to focus my area on this Yeah. Um, because now I know, like, oh, probably nobody's really going in here. So... Um, but as far as like time, I mean, I don't know as much time as you can, honestly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you're probably like, yeah, well, I scouted this mountain range, uh, 42 days this year. And most guys are like, yeah, I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, scouting gets old after a while. So it's like, again, I guess, I guess my, my thought on like new areas is like, you know, if you can spend a weekend or two a summer, you know, learning the, the area and then like maybe trying to find elk in it. But like the main thing is like learn, learn the trail systems, learn the road systems so that when you show up in hunting season, you can hit the ground running. You're not trying to learn yeah. the area anymore. No, I 100% agree. Like, and I don't know what your thoughts are on like e-scouting versus, um, you know, boots on the ground. And, and there's a lot of people that argue like, oh, I shouldn't e-scout, just boots on the ground. I'm like, man, that's unrealistic. Like I hunt four to five new areas a year. Or if you're I, in a different state, if you're 20 yeah, hours away, yeah, you, can't, just, you can't just drive down and go yeah. scout it. Like. And even when I do, like say I go to a new spot in Idaho, like I'm going to e-scout it a lot of hours. I'm probably 20 to 30 plus hours of e-scouting yeah. in that area. And I, I religiously believe I don't see anything for the first 10 hours. Like if I was trying to solve a problem and I'm not like, say I'm building a website and I'm like, I just have to stare at it long enough to figure out the answer. And I do feel that way about e-scouting. Yeah. Like I, if I stare at it long enough, I'm going to start seeing things that I didn't see before. Yeah. And I'm going to see things that other people won't. So like I, I will like, it's almost like I have to e-scout something for, you know, a few nights before I even, like, before it's even worth it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm, like, just learning the drainages and trying to memorize the drainages. And, like, I'm just burning time. Like, yeah. I'm burning it into my eyeballs. Like, then I'm like, okay, now I'll start to see things that other people aren't going to see. Yeah. Uh, but if I did that, I'm going to scout it for 20 hours. I may get one scout trip. I'm really busy, so I'm going to bomb down there and drive every single road yeah. and mark everything, everywhere it ends, where, you know, like, oh, this is that trail that is bike only. Is it really bike only? Or yeah. is it like, does it look like everyone in their local dog is driving their four-wheeler up it? Yeah. Uh, and so like th those are the things I want to know. 
I don't really care about elk. If I see elk and I'm like, okay, saw some cows here, I'll definitely mark it. Yeah. But I don't go to a new unit looking for like, okay, let's try to find the shooter bull. Yeah. No desire to find yeah. shooter bull, like whatsoever. I may spend like first light and last light glassing from the highest point I can. But other than that, I'm like, I'm just looking at roads totally. all day, every day. And at night, like I'll just drive them at night, you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah. If I see some tracks, I'm gonna, I mean, is it, Similar to what you do? Oh, absolutely. Like 100%. Because, yeah. like, once, because again, things are so different when you're actually hunting. Because, like, yeah. if you're hunting, it's like, oh, if you're hunting elk anyway, it's like, while you're hunting, you might hear a bugle way the heck over there. You might Turn. see a, a herd bull with cows, like, running that direction, like, five miles that way. You'd be like, oh, but there's now, because road. I, but now I know there's, now I know this road system. I know exactly mm-hmm. how to get there. Another thing that people, I don't, I don't know if people think about this, but it's like, how much is a road used? Like, if you you look on a road, you're like, man, this road gets hammered. Yeah. And you can tell. Like, let's be honest. If it's not a camping area, like, that road's getting hammered during hunting season. Yeah. You know, like, how much use is a road getting? Like, some of these, like, I've been places where it looks like a road and just like a hard trail. Like, it looks like four-wheelers mm. maybe sometimes, but you can tell not very many people are going up there. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like, where's that go? So, go check that out. Um, yeah, I just think, man, those are... That's what people aren't doing. Like when you talk about, we talk a lot about going from 101 to 201 being that 101 is like just trying to get lucky and mm-hmm. 201's the guys that are consistently killing elk. Uh, I think the difference in that, I don't want to say it's like how much time you put in, but it's a little bit of how much time, but how much effort. Like you're just taking it to the next level of like mm-hmm. systematically looking for what you're looking for yeah. and knowing where the elk are on a mountain. Yeah. Um, the other thing, like you had kind of mentioned, like if I was looking for any elk, I would just go find the herd and I would fall, dog the herd. Yeah. And cause that's what every elk that you're looking to kill is going to do. Totally. Yeah. And there's so many dudes that go out and try to find raghorns. Like I'm just going to blind call and hope there's a, a raghorn or like a small elk. I'm like, man, even if you want to kill a raghorn, go follow the herd. Cause yeah. every one of those raghorns is following the herd too. Oh yeah. And like by happenstance, you'll run into them. Right. <laughs> There'll be like 10 raghorns that are satellites chasing the following this herd. Then there might be like, two out in the boonies off by themselves. It's like, yeah, yeah. you can call those, but if, if you can find the herd, like stick to yeah. it. I mean, how many times in the last two years have you had other elk get in the way when you're trying to like go after a herd bull? Oh, happens all the time. <laughs> right. I mean, dude, literally every time. I mean, if you get close on the herd, if there's a cow bedded, whatever, you're 30 yards away, like I've had other like big bulls just walk right in before. Yeah. I missed probably the biggest bull in my life um, because I, well, I was... I was moving in on this herd bull, and then all of a sudden, I off to my right, I hear a bugle, and this like big seven by seven walks right in. He's at twenty yards, and um, I have an adjustable, uh, I have a slider sight, and I had been target practicing like the yeah. day before, and I I just forgot to reset it back to its home <laughs> position. So I had my slider sight set out to like a hundred. Yep. I draw back. This thing's at twenty. Uh, I was like, I was never more confident I was going to kill a really great bull. And I shoot, and the arrow goes right over the top of that thing. Instantly knew. Just instantly. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) But but anyway, so, like, just being within the herd or being close to the herd, like, things just happen. You just got to be within it. And, like, I mean, yeah, we're going to walk by for sure. I mean, I've I've had a similar situation happen every year. Yeah. No, absolutely. How many, like, I can't, I can't even list how many times, like, just following a herd, I'm like, yeah, that bull's just standing there. Like, yeah. okay, go away. Go yeah. away, little bull. <laughs> and I, I, you know, and then there's guys that try to go kill an elk and have such a struggle doing it. And you're like, man, just put yourself near the herd. Yeah. As near the herd as you can, dog them for as long as you can, follow them, and then 
you'll get an opportunity. Yeah, totally. Almost every time. Totally. How do you think about targeting big bulls? Like, how like, do I do it? Yeah, like when you're like, okay, like, are you trying to find the bull all summer? And then you're like, okay, now I know there's elk because there's areas you know really well. Like when you think about it, I spend most of my summer trying to find a target bull, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, are you kind of similar? I mean, yeah. I mean, the, if you can kind of figure out their movement patterns, you can totally find a target bull and then kind of figure out maybe what he's going to do or maybe stay on him. But like a lot of elk, gosh, they could yeah they go 10 miles in any direction you don't really know which direction they're gonna go <laughs> yeah so, so i mean at this point in your like elk hunting career or whatever you want to call it like do you are you pretty confident like okay i'm gonna find a target bull and if you don't you're like okay i'll just be in this area i know good bulls come in this yeah. area it's more the more the latter it's oh, more really? like uh, through scouting through shed hunting you're like okay like i know this quality of animal lives in this area if there's i just i guess i don't exactly have this happen yet at least with elk it's like you know, I haven't found some like mega giant mm-hmm. something that I'm like, I really want to focus just on that bull. It's more like, okay, like I want to, you know, I've spent so many years, I've killed this many elk. Like now I really want to focus on like a, the next caliber bull and I'm going to hunt an area where I know that yeah. quality of elk exists. Yeah. Um, mule deer is a little different story. I've just through, through shed hunting and actually whitetails too, I've, I've found um, sheds off of some, some really great bucks that i had no idea even like existed in in like the state of montana and so like i've, I've really really focused specifically on those animals um just because they're i think they're way more rare than like a big bull yeah. elk so well that that video you did on that white tail shed you found yeah. that was really cool um yeah I don't, what's the video called it's on um, my youtube channel yeah it's one of my vlogs uh We'll, we'll link to it in the show yeah, notes if we okay. think of it but like it, he found a shed it was like a year before or something and then you spent basically the first part of the season trying to hunt that buck down ended up finding it which is really cool i yeah. don't know just a cool shed like a very unique uh white-tailed buck yeah. that you found uh from montana anyway yeah. um and that was a completely result of shed hunting yeah, yeah. no and it, like which is crazy that buck it was it was public land buck wasn't it yeah, yeah that's so cool uh and that nobody had, yeah. He lived in the weirdest little spot. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think that thing moved more than a quarter mile his whole life. That's crazy. Like, and where I killed it. So, so, yeah, so the long and short of it is, is I was I was shed hunting looking for elk antlers and walk up on this. I thought it was a moose antler, or I thought it was a little moose paddle at first. And it was just, like, this this old white, yeah. super palmated whitetail shed. And then I go, like, 50 yards further, and I find what I thought was the match, but it was actually the brown from like the, like the oh, current okay. brown. Yeah, so, right, so I right. found like the year old, then I found a brown and then I hunted that thing the entire, like that whole next season. Didn't find him, never even saw him. Um, actually shot a different whitetail. And then uh, the next summer I got trail camera footage of him. And then I saw, and then I like saw him in person while I was actually out setting trail cameras. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. this thing's like living here. And then I spent like the first, like, like, five days of rifle season in Montana, like specifically looking for that buck. And I found him. So I think, uh, the f- opening week of rifle season is the most under underrated week for rifle hunting. Okay. And then like the last week of archery season is the most underrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. And I, I think that's kind of where I'm at too, is like, I've killed some bulls and I want to kill that next caliber. Mm-hmm. And Montana is interesting because you know, you scout and I think like scouting is pretty big for that like where i've always hunted is very dark timber mm-hmm. like you're just not gonna scout up a big bull right. like you you gotta find him uh and uh so like i've spent a ton of time and like this last year i found 
three bulls that were like in that category of bulls I would shoot. I'm like, I was stoked. And, uh, but happenstance, you just put yourself in the, you know, in an area. And a lot of it is, like you said, it's like you may find a target bull, but it's just about being in that area where those type of bulls live yeah. and to get the opportunity. Cause I don't know, maybe for me, I'm like, it's not that caliber yet where I can like find one bull and like keep tabs on them. Cause like yeah. you said, they just disappear. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Like there's one bull I found and I, I feel like I put a ton of time in never saw him again. Yeah. One day saw him like, you know, just out broad daylight. And I'm like, Oh, great bull. Couldn't find him again. And I was like, God, I didn't, you know, I ended up killing my bull like third day of season. So I didn't get a lot of time to like look. Yeah. And I wish I would have went back and like hunted more uh, the, like the whole rest of the season, but ended up not. But yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> the same bull. Like I, I really want to like be at that level where you can find a target bull and then go kill him. Yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, the unfortunate answer is it just takes time. There's, there's no like, one way to do it you just got to invest a whack load of time yeah. probably into one you know but one chunk of air land yeah and just learn it know it better than anybody else and like and that's kind of the way that i've gotten and i've i've killed almost all of my elk in like one kind of general area and it's like i know it so well i know what the elk are going to do i know what the wind's going to do constantly so that if i do get on a decent bowl i i can play it in a way that's going to factor in you know no, having success. I do me, think so. I'm like, I'm there where, uh, it's kind of like new area syndrome where I'm like, Ooh, shiny object. Ooh, shiny object. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out too. Like I'm bouncing all over. Like I ended up bouncing all over the state last year. Cause I'm yeah. like, it was definitely grass is greener syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Like where I had one big bowl, I went and looked and then I just like started seeing people and I'm like, Oh, F this, I'm out. Yeah. You know, like I need to come back, you know, and I ended up bouncing across the state to a different spot. And like, it's hard to not do that because I had actually had like the three bulls that I had picked up were not in the same area. Like oh. they were not even in the same mountain range. Okay. So, so like <laughs> that's where it's like, it's easy to get that like green grass is greener oh, syndrome totally. where you're like, I'm going to run over here and Especially see if you know there's a good bull in the other spot. Too. <laughs> ah, no. that's what I mean. like, so I don't know. I'm excited this year. Basically do the same thing. Spend a lot of time scouting. Yeah. Uh, I do want to hit some high stuff this year. Cause I like, I do think that like the early, Big bulls up high. Yeah. I would love to like kill a big bull, and maybe this is like a being romantic about how you do it, which I say not to do. But like I think that if, it'd be cool to kill like a three fifty plus bull up high in the mountains. Yeah, like that would be. Yeah, be super rad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's doable or not, but yeah, I don't know. What's your dream dream bull? Uh, non typical. Yeah, I like character. I really like character. Yeah. Probably, yeah, I don't know, probably some big, big classic six point on one side and some big weird, something. <laughs> I could even be a little dwarf thing on the right. Yeah. There was actually a bull this, this year. I was, I was scouting an area the, the day before season and I got, he's, what is he? He's a, a six point on one side and then his other side, he's got like a big drop time, but he's like a, he's like, a, he's got like three like club points on his uh, right. Oh, sweet. And I just like walked up on this thing at 60 yards in the day before opener. I was like, you gotta be kidding. I got some sweet footage of him, but I was like, that's pretty funny. So I was like, oh, hopefully I can do this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Never saw him again. <laughs> yeah, there's a bull. I've never been back to see him, but there was a bull. I came in on a scout trip. It was before I moved here. Uh, so it must have been 17. I came in, new area, way in, and um, found this bull. And it was like, last day, you know, 
800 yards away, 900 yards away, whatever it was, down his bottom, and he was rutting. And he had, like, just a Louisville slugger baseball bat. Nice. Like, I couldn't figure out what was going on, but he was, like, I mean, like, 310, 320, six point, but had just a Louisville slugger. It wasn't even a drop time. Like, went out and, like, with his main beam. And I was like, that's, like, my dream. Like, I would love to kill that bull. Yeah. And, you know, ended up going in a different area. I still have never been back. I don't know if he's alive still or not. Who knows, you know? <laughs> but, like, I don't know. The non-typical is definitely – that's the yeah that's the kicker for me it's i mean obviously i love hunting and i that's why i do it but like anymore and partly it's just because i get a lot of time in the spring but i love shed hunting more than anything so like finding really big or unique sheds is like i get i get more out of that than probably anything i do in my life okay so here's a here's a predicament that seems to be and i'm not a shed hunter big time anyway uh do you go for quantity or quality because they're are they in or are they in different locations um it's a bit of both. I mean, you're always trying to find quality. Yeah. But like, if you don't, if you if you don't find anything, you're kind of like, like you're kind of bummed. But <laughs> yeah. So it's because you can go after the area where there's like a bachelor herd of twenty bulls, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a gold mine. Totally. Or, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. So like the the video I just posted to my Instagram, there's there's like twenty three bulls, like bachelor bulls, in this one group, and like I'll probably shed on it and probably find hopefully a lot of those elk. But like, yeah, the biggest ones like. 320 maybe yeah it's like where the heck's the, the real big guy so it's like well there's that are they like, usually together though or are the big bulls off by themselves i mean they're all bachelored up that's the only thing that i've confirmed for sure like sometimes you will see like like a you know a real big old bull with other bigger older bulls and you'll see a bunch of kind of oh, younger okay. bulls together but like i don't know I, i've seen it i've just kind of seen everything i've seen like a 360 bull with a bunch of raghorns. Oh, really? Or I've just seen a bunch of raghorns, or I've seen just a bunch of big bulls. Like, it, it's kind of a... I haven't really found it. What's like, your theory on it, though? Like, I've always thought that they kind of group up in age category. Yeah. No, that's... I think that's valid for sure. Like, sometimes you'll have a 320 bull, but he's still really young. Yeah. And he'll be with a bunch of, you know, small sixes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he... I don't, I, I've always thought it was age category, but I, like you said, there's... A, It'll get proved wrong every time. Like that, you know, some giant. I, I think I think your basis on age category is correct, and then you get some like smart younger bulls, like smart raghorns, and be like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with old man over there because yeah. he probably knows some some things. Yeah, that's so, so maybe that's why you see them. But with sheds, do you <laughs> find like giant sheds by themselves, or usually in the same kind of areas? It's kind of in the same areas. All yeah, right. it sort of it hasn't really been a big separation. What's the biggest shed you found? Um, I pulled one out of the snow like five years ago with my friend Isaac that as a single, it would scored like 188 and seven eights. So it would have been like a 420 bull if we could find the other side. Yeah. It was the first antler of the year. It was, it was an old white too. It was, um, but it had a, it was like a, I don't know. It's like a classic, like three sixty five six point. And then he had this random, like, extra third point that was 25 inches long. Oh. And so, so that's what obviously bumped him up to that next level. But uh, That's insane. Yeah. I kind of want to just go to Yellowstone and go shed hunting because I could find more and not pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> like, good place to train the eyes. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> At least I would feel good about myself. Like, yeah. oh, elk shed. <laughs> <laughs> I found 55 today. <laughs> uh, who was it, the guy that was running last year and found that? I talked to him this year. He, I don't remember his name now. He was like running in the park and found that ginormous shed. Maybe it was two years ago. Oh, I don't know. There's a guy. I'll have to. He, he shoots the league with us. Anyway, he found this ginormous shed and there was a picture of it. And he had like, 
uh, like was just running and found it and like was like, okay I'm gonna leave it here or whatever and uh, kind of like put it off the trail and like looks up and there's like a stash of antlers that someone had like stashed oh wow yeah I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this on the podcast but there's like a stash of antlers well he was like running again the next year and that big antler was gone oh he's like someone took it oh totally <laughs> so oh, I mean he's like it's it's mega mega big. Uh, yeah, which would just be cool to see. I don't know. Oh, it's super fun to just see him. Yeah, it's a different yeah. experience though when you see him in the park, just because like you're kind of expecting to. Totally. And like obviously, you it's can. like seeing elk in the park. Right. Like, cool, yeah. an elk. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Can't take it home. <laughs> uh, dude. Yeah. Uh, no, I was kind of curious about that. I I want to get out. Is there is there such thing as remote shed hunting? I don't know. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that out. Like I, I mean, it, dude. Like everybody's got. I don't know what, what, what you call it, the end of the road syndrome. Like everyone is willing to hike as far in as possible to like find either like a great hunting spot or find antlers. Like, and with shed hunting, I've, there's not a place I've been, at least in the state of Montana, where I have not found people tracks. Really? But at the same token, it's like, well, everybody's just going to hike their face off to the end as far as in as they can go. But like very few people are actually shed, shed hunting hunt. or hunting that first kind of, yeah. you know. Well, and you've showed videos of like areas where people shed hunted and you find sheds behind them. Is there like a, I mean, what's your best tip for shed hunting? Like as far as like using your eyes or like, why are you finding more than most people? Just walk the obscure, the weird spots, looking, looking spots. Maybe other people aren't. And it could literally be like most guys are going to hike on right on a ridge top. And often I'll hike in an area and I'm like, oh, there's tracks going up this ridge. We'll get off the ridge 50 yards. Like, I found more shed, and I think actually elk and mule deer, like, they don't walk right on the ridge line. Yeah. They usually kind of are off the top of it a little bit. But, like, most people are going to walk the least the path of least resistance. And yeah. So it's like, well, you would like to think animals do that too, and I'm sure some do. But, but for some, the most part, they don't. But for the most part, they don't. And if somebody else already walked that, then, well, whatever, you got to change it up. So I, I, think, I think my tactic has probably come as a result of shed hunting areas where other people have hit. One of the tips I got... Um, when I was younger is that you're looking too far away. Like when okay. you're shed hunting is like instead of looking out 100 yards and look for it, like how many times you've been like, oh, there's one right there. Oh, I've almost tripped on it. I've actually have tripped yeah. on a shed, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I, I try to like look. I go slow. Really? Yeah, I go slow. Well, when, once I know I'm in kind of an area where there might there might be some, I'm like going slow. I'm like doing, th- I'm like looking 360. You know, I'm looking behind me. Often I'll find them as I'll walk past them and I'll turn around and maybe they were just kind of hidden behind a bush or just the way the light was shining. Yeah. They weren't like popping. So I'll often find them when, once I've actually walked past them, I'll kind of turn around and be like, Oh, there's one. So when I used to hunt blacktail sheds a lot, uh, my, it was always, I would go and I would stop and be like, okay, there's a shed and look for the shed. Like, where is it? Like, you know, when someone's like, ah, there's a shed and then you start looking, yeah, you're like, like you find it instantly. Yeah. Because you're like, you, there's like the confidences there. So they're just like panning. <laughs> you're like, oh. And I, you know, uh, Krogh told me the same thing about finding deer. Like when you're glassing, like assume there's a deer there. Yeah. Because you know when you like glass for a deer and you, you're off looking somewhere else and you go back to that area and you're like, oh, where was that deer? You got to check it again. Yeah. So like you're like, where was that deer? And you pick it up. Yeah. Or if someone's like, hey, there's a deer, okay, below that tree. Instantly you kind of like, uh, there it is. Yeah. It's just because you're looking for something that's there versus mm-hmm. like panning and assuming there's nothing. Right. So same with shed hunting. It's like. It's all mental. Yeah, yeah it's all crazy. mental. Like, okay, <laughs> there's a shed here. Where is it? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how easy it is to walk by sheds. 
Oh, I love it. But that means I <laughs> hopefully find some. I, I'm never deterred anymore when there's other people there. Like I mean, I always am, but I've, yeah. I've learned to not let that get to me. It still does. Does but it like, change your strategy a little bit? It just makes me really competitive. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I've had some pretty competitive moments in the hills and trying to race a horse up a mountain, like all sorts of you always lose, but you know, yeah. you try. So <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like horse people who shed hunt on horses don't it's kinda like well, same thing with hunting. Like they're sticking to main trails. Totally. And like there's a lot of places they're obviously not gonna go look. Mm-hmm. And yeah. by and large most of I can say this as a horse person, most of them are, are lazy and not gonna get off their horse. <laughs> so like very few are gonna tie up their horse and like comb a ridge. Right. And most of them are just riding around, you know, maybe yeah. they find some sheds, maybe they don't. But yeah, totally. I, I think there's a lot of sheds to be had if you're if you're willing to go slow and look and like find the places where they're not totally. Do you do any e-scouting for shed hunting? Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, totally. Really? Totally. I mean, very similar to the scouting we were referencing in like summer. It's like, you're trying to learn road systems. You're like, you've already identified like, Oh man, this area has got a bunch of potential. It looks like really great winter range. Now how the heck do I even get in there? Yeah. So again, it's usually trying to figure out the road systems and like how to do it. Cause like, again, every, like, I mean, how many how many elk have they estimated are in the state of Montana? Like one hundred eighty thousand or something. It's like that's insane. Yeah, and then they go, okay, what's bullet cow ratio? And then yeah, how like, many sheds are there? There's a lot of freaking elk out there. There's a lot of sheds. So it's like, I wonder how many dollars in shed hit the ground every year. That's a great question. Yeah, uh, mm, interesting. You think of all the big private ranches where guys go out in like a weekend and pick like twenty thousand in sheds. Like, what? That's a thing. Well, like huge ranches. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anyone like consistently making money at it? I don't, there's a few guys online, but it's like, that's all they do. And I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Who's that Utah guy that picked up like 2000, or 2000 pounds last year? Oh yeah. Uh, kills big bucks. Uh, I can't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, I drawing a blank. Anyway, I have to think of it. Uh, yeah, but he picked up like 2000 pounds. He uses a dog. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got a yellow lab. That'd be so rad. <laughs> I know. I really want. I got a dog, and it won't do it. I want a new one. <laughs> I, mean, I was shed hunting this spot one time, and there was this other guy, and um, there we're both just kind of going, and all of a sudden this dog runs in front of me. This like big, big. Um, I think he's a black like male lab, and he's got like. I don't know. It looked like a 350 brown like elk shed in his mouth, and he's just running to his owner. I was just like, puppy, puppy. Uh, "Yeah, I was about to jump on that thing." Could not believe it. That was that was one of the cooler things I'd ever seen, though. So I mean, how pissed were you, though? A little pissed. <laughs> pissed, and I was like, "Just be excited for him. That's cool." But, I feel like that's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's. A, I really don't think you can make money in shed hunting, and that's. In a lot, a lot of these states and stuff, they have, they're putting bans on on shed hunting, and not not banning shed hunting, but putting restriction Times. on when you can go. And, um, but I don't. It doesn't. And, and even if, if antler prices dropped, if antler prices dropped to a dollar a pound, like I th- I would still do it because I yeah. love it. Like, and you just learn so much. And if you're really addicted to elk and hunting and just trying to learn more, it's like that's just part of it. So totally. it doesn't matter if you're making money off it or not. Like I would actually, I wouldn't sell a single shed if I had a place to put them. But my yeah, problem is the it downside. makes a big pile in my living room. It takes up a lot of room. They really do. Yeah. 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 That's, that was like, that was my number one reason for selling them was like, okay, I have, I 
I don't have anywhere to put them anymore. Yeah, I'm like, like I need a tiny a new, house. Right, it's like I need a new property with a, a shed barn. You know, <laughs> dude, I went to that guy in Three Forks Place. Oh, um, yeah. The, have you ever been there? No, but I you remember seeing go, the photos dude. that you. It's went. insane. Yeah, you need to go. Like, just you would be in awe. But there's cool. got to be a million dollars in sheds in there. That's awesome. I think I just got stacked. It's so cool. That was one of the coolest things I've seen in Montana. Huh, neat. Yeah, you should definitely go. That's in Three Forks. Yeah, cool. It's right there in Three Forks. The guy, ah, it's the shed man or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just call him up and he'll give you a tour. He's a super nice guy. Like he is obsessed with sheds. Like cool. you can just hear it in his voice when he talks about it. <laughs> like that guy really loves sheds. Nice. <laughs> it's cool. Um, but yeah, well, thanks, man. Um, also wanted to let you give a plug for the uh, photo, your photo course. Yeah, it's called uh, The Hunting Photographer. It's a online course and mentorship. Um, we've also got a podcast as well. Again, uh, The Hunting Photographer. Uh, my friend Zach Bowden and I put it together. And kind of our, our goal and the premise behind it is there's, there's so much opportunity to be a photographer, to be a content creator, both in the hunting industry as well as kind of anywhere. Like the... Um, the rise in like digital content has just been absolutely huge in the last 10 years. I mean, like so many of our jobs, like probably wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for like social media and kind of just this foundation of digital media. And so, so Zach and I wanted to create a course that was like kind of the main hub for anyone that wanted to get into it. And so, so we dive in super deep. Um, the, the online course itself, I think there's five modules. Um, the modules range from, you know, how to start a business, how to get into it, like how to network. Um, obviously, we dive into how, how to shoot photos and the editing, but really what we really hone in on, hint, hone in on is the business aspect because um, there's a lot of people that are like, they're great at taking a photo, but it's like, well, how do you sell it? How do you actually make a living doing totally. this? No, I think it's actually genius. And Zach and I talked when we first was like talking about logic. I'm like, this is genius because that's the hard part yeah. is, I mean, a lot of people can take photos, like you said, but navigating – jumping through the hoops for an industry like say you want to do this for a living like the networking alone is like that's so important learning how to do that so no i'm so for you guys i hope it does really really well thanks uh so guys check out their podcast if you're interested in all about making money with your photos getting the hunting industry i know there's a lot of guys that are kind of entrepreneurs that listen to my podcast so if you guys are interested in that check that out check out the podcast right Um, podcast is free yeah free podcast just the hunting photographer actually if you just go to our website thehuntingphotographer.com there's a little podcast page, and it's—I mean—it's on iTunes, Podbean, everywhere. everywhere. So every you find podcasts, yeah, <laughs> all the places. All right, buddy. Well, uh, thanks again so much, and uh, good luck. Shit yeah, season. thanks for having me. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at.